right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything different? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up podcast. Sally here. This is our Players' Championship preview episode. A little different than some of the uh, previews we do for major championships. I almost said other major championships, but for major championships, uh, we had a couple interviews this week. Huge shout out to our friends at Callaway. They helped us. Uh, they let us crash their their photo shoot they had going at the yards there in, uh, in, in Sawgrass for the last couple of days to do a bunch of these interviews. We'll have even some more coming in the coming weeks. Great to get actually out in person and do some interviews with Kevin Na and Mark Leishman, talking a little bit about their careers, things that have been going on with them, as well as TPC Sawgrass, the players, uh, amongst many other things. But uh, if you're looking for our commentary, our insight on the Players' Championship Preview, go to our YouTube channel. we got our DraftKings Preview Show. It is up there. It also might involve a couple people jumping in the ocean uh, this past week, and there's some other weird stuff that you would expect to find there. So go to our YouTube channel and check that out. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Wine Access. They've set up wineaccess.com slash NLU, which gives users 15% off their first three purchases. Their mission, it's pretty simple. You can connect people and place through wine and their purposes to make it easy for people to discover and enjoy the world's best wine through curation, content, perfect provenance, satisfaction guarantee. The wines are curated by the most decorated team of in-house specialists, including a master of wine. There's only one of 53 of those uh, in the United States and also a master sommelier. Every bottle has a story that includes uh, tasting notes, how to enjoy it, whatnot. Perfect provenance, zip by zip temperature, controlled shipping ensures the pristine condition of every bottle. And plus, Wine Access is now the official wine provider of the Michelin Guide. Uh, the wine of the month for March is a 2017 Ferrer Bobet Prioriat. Dang it. I even looked that up on YouTube. Priorat. I looked it up on YouTube to try to get that right, and I still don't think I did it. This is why I need TC here with me. Satisfaction guarantee they'll credit you for any bottle that fails to impress. Your direct line to wines typically reserved for industry insiders and Michelin-starred restaurants. You're going to get that through wine access. The world's best wines are made in limited quantities. Finding them is the hard part. That is what they do. The barrier to the world's best wine is not price. It's access. Wineaccess.com slash NLU. 15% off your first three purchases. Let's get first up, uh, Kevin Knopp. How many times have you had to tell the Tiger Woods story from 17th hole at TPC Sawgrass? And do you get tired of telling? It. No, I don't. Um, I, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, I'm sure my friends have all have had the chance to ask me, but, uh, you know, pro-ams is, is where I get asked the most. Every, every time I play a pro-am, they go, I, I, I gotta ask, you know, it's like, how did that walk-in start about? And, um, you know, what was it like to see Tiger Woods do it? And the answer is it was amazing. I mean, you, you have the maybe the greatest golfer all time, arguably, right? To imitate something you do and you've done for your whole life. And, People know people that play with me have seen it, but for him to imitate you and laugh about it before he imitated you, yes, that he, was yes, and yes. it kind of caught you by surprise. It looked like yeah, he he, you know, he, I know that he's got a great sense of humor, but sometimes you know he doesn't show that a lot when he plays right during competition. Well, he yeah. actually never showed it, and when he imitated me and he had that huge smile and he started giggling, I was like. Oh my God! Tell me you have that framed in your house somewhere. That- I actually have a the PGA Tour um, printed a nice picture of me and, and, and gave it to me, and uh, it was very nice, you know. And and I, I took it and I framed it. Um, it was I think it was a great moment in my career, and I think at the same time I think people got to see the lighter side of Tiger Woods, and they haven't seen much of that. But he's he's a lot of he's he's got great great sense of humor great jokes i always joke with him on, on the practice facility and um it was a cool moment and, and because of him it went viral and the thing took off i sent him a text after like a few days later hey man because of you it, it went viral he's like you know i would have never done it if you didn't do it and it, it was kind of cool you did almost beat your putt to the hole on that one <laughs> i know you take a lot of pride in your ability uh-huh. to walk putts in that one was especially preemptive but uh, what's your relationship like with Tiger? I mean, I, I was reading, he, he texts you and he's texted you after wins and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, look, I don't know how, how many people are really close to Tiger. I can't say I'm close to sure. Tiger. Um, I've been, you know, I've been very thankful to get to, get to know him. Uh, we have a, a really close, he's got a close childhood friend that I grew up with, uh, named Young Nam, that 
I'm very close friends close friends with and we have a mutual friend and we talk about him quite a bit and we talk about golf and and, and everything and um uh, you know it's just nice to at least know his number and, yeah. get, get a, and be congratulated <laughs> sure. by him when I when I do win a golf tournament so um you know it's just cuz that wasn't always the case when he was in his prime no, I don't think he was no, texting I, a lot of people congratulating look I couldn't say boo to him yeah. I mean as, as much intensity he had and, and the charisma he had I couldn't even hit balls next to him, um, but I feel you know somewhat comfortable now around him to talk to him, to hit balls next to him, and you know, and shoot him a text here and there. What does coming back to the players? Does it bring back more me- warm memories? You've had a lot of success here. Mm-hmm. You had three top tens in your career. Yet it was also the scene of 2011. You were dealing oh, with a, yeah. a a. I, I'm sorry to make you shudder yeah. bringing it up. It's it's been ten years now. It's amazing, wow. but it's crazy to think about. But. I think every golfer has struggled in some way of something that they've gone through periodically. And I, yes. I look I look back at that now with, you know, not not confusion. It, it just is, it's amazing to watch a professional at your level kind of mm-hmm. go through that. Had you ever gone through anything, and I'm talking about, for people that aren't familiar, you had trouble pulling the trigger yeah. while in contention at a PGA Tour event. What, what was that like to go through? And what was the cause of that? And how did you get past that? Uh, so it was 2012. Oh, 12, okay. Um, yeah, so I went through uh it actually started in late 2011 but i went through about i want to say six months to almost a full year to get really out of it but literally couldn't couldn't take it back i could i would stand over the ball and could not take it back and you you can call it we don't like to use that word but you can call it the yips right um i don't know how it started um I want to think that it started because i changed my swing so quickly and i changed the balance in my setup and i think because I changed so quickly, my body and my brain hasn't adjusted to it. That's the only excuse I can think of. And it was exacerbated under pressure. In all when I got fatigue or yeah. a, a lot of pressure, it just got worse. And it was actually, I was almost afraid to go tee it up in a golf tournament and, and play in front of people. And, you know, in my job, you can't play in front of people. You don't have a job. <laughs> um, but looking back now, it made me stronger. It made me a better golfer, and it, learned, it, it taught me a lot of things to appreciate just the simple stuff in golf. Um, but uh, I've had a lot of messages from people, a lot of people coming up to me asking me, you know, I've had the same thing. You know, can you help me? I've seen another professional golfer at the Open Championship. I was playing a practice round, and he had the same thing. I, I was like, oh, my God. He actually WD'd that from that tournament and did not play. But for me, usually guys, when they go through something like that, they fall off the map. They can't make a cut. You know, you never see them on TV. I was playing some of my best golf. That's what's crazy to me and about it. Lean, you got in contention. Yes, yeah. I was leading the Players' Championship. So it's crazy how I, I still played well under that under what was going on. But it, it, it was rough. It was rough. It's something that I don't want to ever experience again. Um, I think I am, oh, I am definitely over it, but... You know, you just never know. Hopefully it never comes back. Oh, I hope I didn't just put it in your head for this. For this <laughs> <laughs> are, are there certain courses that you just get inherently more excited to play on because they aren't bomber golf courses? And, I, and I'm curious just, you know, if your preparation changes for golf courses that are bomber golf courses mm. and where the players fits in all that. So there's definitely golf courses that are suited for me that I, I've had good records, I've won, and I get excited about because I know I have a chance. If I'm playing well and I've... I'm going to be able to contend on Sunday. And there's some checklists that I go off that, all right, I've won here. There's a couple more places before my career career is over that I must win at. What are some of those? I'm uh, curious on that. Hilton Head's one of them. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Napa is one of them. Wyndham, uh, was a Sledgefield is one of them. Um, and there's, a, there's a few that, you know, I need to check off the list. See, this is awesome because we'll replay yeah. this soundbite yeah. when you do win on those courses. And <laughs> players is kind of in that mix. Yeah. Um, I've had a few chances here. And it's a golf course that it, it, you really have to be on. You have to drive it well, iron well, wedge it well, putt well. And it tests every part of the game. And you look at the winners here, all kinds of golfers have won here. Bombers, short hitters, um, some, um, some no-namers, non-famous players, and two superstars. So it's a golf course that you just have to be on your game. I find it amazing that this place, not only does it have, is there a wide variety of winners, but there's not people that are horses for courses here. There's no one that has exactly. un, like pure success yes. year in, year out. You can yes. make a cut. 
you know, or you can win it and you can miss the cut the next year, and that's not unusual to see in this place. Do you think, I guess, when you tee it up at a, at a more bomber-style golf course, are your expectations for the week any different? Do you ever feel yourself getting caught up trying to bomb it any extra distance? I mean, what do you, I guess do you have different goals when you go into a week like that? Yeah, I think... You know, a, a, a top 20 finish is a good finish for some of the golf courses that I feel like I have no chance at. And, you know, Kisner said it really well, right? Well, why do you play? He's <laughs> 20th place, plays well. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. Sure. But at the same time, sometimes we don't we cannot choose all the golf courses. Right. I mean, we, we have to play it. Um, some world championship majors, we have no choice, right? But um, the, those golf courses, you just kind of look at it. Hey, look, I'm going to try to get the best out of my game possible this week. Um, I'm going to have to hit a lot of long irons, front center of the green, take my part and, and, and birdie the holes that I, I really have to. And a 20 place is a, is a good finish. What, what do you think when you watch like what Bryson's doing these days? Is it, does it, I guess, does it concern you with where the game is trending in any way? Or do you look at it with just amazement? Kind of take me through what, what you think when you see something like that. You know, I'm good friends with Bryson and I play, you know, practice rounds with him and I, you know, I give him a lot of crap here and there and with messages and, He's, he's a fun guy to watch, and um, he's a hard worker. And you know what? I even turned on, turned on the telecast just to watch six. I don't care about that. Right. Maybe the last two holes finishing, but six. Just wanted to see what he was going to do. And I actually saw him in the parking lot today, and you know, I told him. I said, hey. I gave him a big hug, congratulated him, and uh, I said, you know what? I even turned on the telecast to see what you're going to do on that hole. He said, I know you played it safe because you had the lead, and you're trying to win a golf tournament. But you could have made it. He's like, yeah, I know. But, you know, I, I had the lead. And I had to play it safe. Play it, it was like smart, 20 yeah, carry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's exciting. He's fun to watch. Um, he's a, he earned it. You know, there's some people, you know, talking negative things about him. But you know what? Good for him. And, and to, for him to prove what he's, what he's doing is working for him, good for him. Does that kind of work for me? No. But it's working for him. It's fun to watch. But I also, at the same time, I can also see the other side of, you know, do we have to back things up a little bit? Uh, and the answer is yes and no. Um, but to make the tour less bomber friendly, I think we need to go to tighter fairways, smaller greens, runoffs. I think concession was a, was a great example. Um, when I showed up to that golf course, I was like, man, I got a chance here. Hmm. And I finished 11th for the week. I got off to a bad start on Thursday, but I finished great on Sunday. Finished 11th. Anytime I go to a golf course and I I know that I got a good good chance at, if I pl- if I'm playing halfway decent, most likely I'm going to finish in the top 10. Hmm. And um, you know what? The, the answer to getting you know to prevent bombers winning, it's not making the golf course longer. Right. It's actually make it tighter, shorter, greens smaller, and more 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 shaved runoffs. Yeah, I think the the heavy rough it, he is exposing very quickly that especially the heavy rough. Yeah, if you have a high swing work. speed, it's only it, it, long and heavy rough. Better advantage to be longer down there in yes. the high swing speed. You can hold the greens. Last where, week is a perfect example. Him in the out of the right rough, everybody's laying up, you know, shore of the water or just kind of challenge that a little bit and hit a hundred fifty yard shot out of the rough and try to get sixty yards to the hole or something. He's going through that rough and hitting it on the green. Yeah. So the further you hit it, you got a shorter iron club in. The more head speed, you can get it out of the rough. So flyer rough, like two-inch Bermuda rough, you know, that two, three-inch where it's flyer lie, that is a lot of fun. And that's what I'd like to see more. Yeah, it's a little, lot more unpredictable yes. how that ball is going to come out. But as, uh, concession, I think, was one, I looked at that golf course and thought, how has there not been PGA Tour events here held every year? Because yeah. it is a great, it is, it is the stereotypical golf course of – Amateurs are going to have a very hard time yes. out there, but for pros, I mean, winning score was eighteen under. Yes. Yet there was still a lot of you know carnage to be had out there. You could get yourself oh, in yeah. a lot of trouble. What is what is short rough and and dramatic contouring or uh, sorry short grass and dramatic contouring around the greens do to a professional golfer? I think it makes us think. Yeah. And it's not just one shot is in the play. It's right. You got multiple ways to pull off a shot. It makes you more think. Different techniques. And it's fun, and it's fun to watch. Okay, what is this guy gonna? Is this guy gonna go up, or is he gonna putt it? Is he gonna run it, bump it? And it's more interesting. And I think we need to see more of that kind of golf course in the mix. And you can change uh, even a golf course like this week, or any golf course at your home club. And you don't have to change the design. If you change some areas with shave, shaving it off, and maybe grow the rough to a flyer, flyer lie stuff, and 
it changes the whole golf course and it changes your whole thought process. And um, those are the things. I mean, I've told my golf home course in, in, in Vegas, the Southern Highlands. I said, I told one of the, tell them the guys, hey, why don't you shave left of eight? Why don't you shave back of the green, behind the green on nine so you can kind of play it up and use the contour and change it up a little bit. It's fun. And if you don't, if the members don't like it, just grow it back. Well, usually it's for amateurs. It is so the shorter grass is easier. It gives mm-hmm. you more options. You can putt it from around the greens. Yes. And for, for for pros, it also makes things a little bit harder because the ball. The pros love to know when the ball is going to stop. Right? Yes. When the ball keeps rolling, that's what makes you guys the most anxious. Yes. And you introduce all these other elements, especially you get on Bermuda. You get some of these into the grain oh. chips. Some of those. I don't know if you ever ended up long left of thirteen at concession. But that was one of the worst misses I've ever seen on oh a golf my. course. You're off a so, downslope. So concession left left the 13, that par 5. Yes. I've been there. I was there twice. Yeah. One time I chipped in for eagle. Oh, that's right. You did. I did. <laughs> Bad example of it. And one time I chipped it off the green on the other side. That was, the only, uh, that was basically the two plays. Chip yes. it in or you're yes. not getting it yes. on the green. So, I mean, and then, you know, that little short grass Bermuda into the green. We can flub it. I mean, literally hit it right in front of us and look like a total fool. Mm-hmm. But it's it happens easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's extremely interesting. I, I want to specifically talk to you about something. You got to help us kind of help me settle a debate we've been having on this podcast for a long time. I think you're a great career comp for this. Now, in the last four seasons, you've had four wins. So mm-hmm. you've kind of you've trended away from this. I think at one point you had 61 top tens and one win. Ooh, yeah. And well, we've had this discussion around yeah. Tony Finau a lot lately, yeah. and I, I'm very much on in the stance of kind of what we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. They pay 20th a lot of a lot a lot of money because you beat a lot of professionals that week. Yeah. Did anything change for you to go from the guy that was you know finishing top ten a lot of times? Mm-hmm. Did it wear on you at all to think like, hey, I'm beating all these guys? But not winning, what does that mean? I, I, just, I think your perspective on this could be potentially really interesting. It, it, it was crushing me inside. Yeah? And it but was. But you take, you take way more out of finishing fifth than you would have if you finished 25th. Is of that course, right? Yeah. Of course. But when you finish second, I think you're a lot more disappointed than you finishing 40th that week. It's something about when you're that close and you don't pull it off. Um, and I've always been that. I was, I was that guy for a long time. And it's not easy to win out here. And you know, I've gotten beat. I've 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 thrown away tournaments, um, but a few things have changed. I think, number one, once I did it again at Greenbrier, the confidence of me winning again and that I was able to do it helped me a lot. And, and then after that, when I started getting in contention, I didn't, look at, I didn't look at second, I didn't look at third, I didn't look at anything but winning. Hmm. So my play was a lot more aggressive. Not stupid aggressive, but I needed I, – I hit shots and – and my thought process was all for the win. Hmm. It wasn't like, okay, if I miss this, I want to make sure I do. No, no, no. It was for the win. And I've, I've seen this. The, the best player I've seen this out of is Phil Mickelson. So I've been paired with him a lot on Sunday with him when he's had chances to win. I've been in that groove. I've been beaten by him. And when I see him play, he doesn't play for second or third. He plays for only for that trophy. And the way he hits shots around the greens and how aggressive he plays, uh, there's a lot to learn. And don't get me wrong, he's he's lost tournaments doing that, but he's won 44 times. And it's not like you are better off with, you know, playing to not lose doesn't mean you're going to play better golf. And it doesn't help you protect anything, you know. Because if you play defensive, you're yeah. not going to win. Right. Unless some guy, you know, basically hands it to you. And when you get chances to win, you don't, you don't, you shouldn't have the mindset. And I've had this before, I'll be honest, of hoping that guy makes a mistake and yeah. you win with a par. When you have a chance, you have to close the door and you have to take control. And that was not the way you always played. How no. did you How did you eventually get there? Was it just the win, the second win is what just to convince you? Yes, that was one of it. And I started realizing that that's how you need to play to win. Hmm. So, so if you were looking at somebody like Tony Finau, that mm-hmm. is, everyone is making a big deal about so many top tens, mm. so close, so often he's beating so many players. Yes. You you can definitely relate to this this yes. like getting over that last hurdle and, and Tony's how difficult it is. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can put a lot of money that he's gonna win, and he's an amazing player, a great guy, so much talent, and I know for a fact that he's gonna win again. And once he does, I think the floodgate will open yeah. and he'll get a, a bunch more. But the only thing, like if I was to tell Tony, being that guy and been that guy, and Tony's an amazing golfer, mm-hmm. he doesn't need my advice, but. <laughs> If he ever asked, and I would tell him, hey, Tony, just be a little more aggressive on those putts coming in. And don't worry about the three-footers coming back, you know. Just 
you're so good that you don't have to worry about the three footer. And if you have that mindset, you'll make more putts. Hmm. That's very interesting. I was going to ask how much you, you've seen the PGA Tour evolve in terms of competitiveness from the beginning mm. of your career. We're almost 20 years into your professional yes. career now, which is insane, to now. And how it doesn't correlate with how much, how much you've been winning lately, though. I feel like the tour gets stronger and stronger every single year, and now you're winning more. But I'm wondering if, you know, just kind of blanket question, how much has the competitive nature evolved on the PGA Tour since you came out? Everybody's better. They're faster. They're stronger. They're smarter. It's, it's, it, the game has really changed. I don't think the winning score has changed a whole lot, but you look at the top tens, the cuts made, how bunched up we are up on the leaderboard, that has changed. And I say this a lot, and a lot of the youngsters are playing so good now. It's not about the experience anymore. It's just these guys are just good. And I think the reason why is the information and the technology out there. When you first got on tour, when I got on tour, and you test a driver, you, they brought off five drivers, five different shafts, and you hit all of them. Now to test the driver, you got one shaft, one head, weights, click, 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 here, click, click, here. So much less time wasted. You got TrackMan, Foresight, GC Code, whatever, all these ball monitors that tell you exactly what you need to do to, to be a better golfer. All you need to do is hit it one degree more out to the right and up, and that'll change it. And they'll tell you exactly what's going on with your ball, and that also helps less grinding and a, a quicker success for your career. Golf course knowledge, same thing. There's Green's book that are so amazing, you don't need local knowledge. They tell you the first time you ever play the book, that slope is 1.7 degrees going to the left. Instead of like, you know what? The veterans will tell you, this putt breaks more than you think out here. Try hitting this putt. None of that. There is none of that. So... These guys are able to be successful right off the start because of all this information out there. And the stats guy that there's a stats guy out here that you pay him, and they'll tell you on this golf course over the course of the last 15 years, a guy hitting from this part of the fairway has made more birdies from than this part of the fairway. When the pin is here, it's it's the highest percentage to go for it or lay up. And they tell you all of that. Hmm. And it's not like you have to figure it out on your own over time. So the information is so much better out there. The coaching is so much better out there that everyone has elevated their game. Hmm. Were you fast, average, or slow on the learning on the curve of that information wave? Were you one of the early guys on it? Did you? No, no. I was not. I'm still old school. <laughs> I'm only I'm 37. I still I'm kind of the old school and the uh, the old fashioned way. Um, and that's just because that's how I grew up learning how to play golf, right? But I am kind of on the middle of that of that pace there um but i'm learning a lot i've i've definitely a lot of things that i've i've improved on my game because of all these technology and it's it, it's kind of cool to learn these new stuff it's fun sure I think one of the best arguments against any changes in golf equipment is that you guys are so dialed into your track men and numbers. Like it, it won't take you that long to adjust whatever new yes. equipment you'd be playing with. You'd get it figured out and figure out how to launch it with low spin, et cetera, in, in almost no time. And yeah. I, I think I, I've underplayed that importance for a long time and just how quickly you guys go to that track man and, and get all that information is it's it's evident in the success on the golf yeah, course. And the guys are on tour are so good that it, we're talking about few tenths of degree, few hundred RPM of spin. I mean, it's just such minor stuff, but at the end, yeah, it makes a big difference. Dude, I, I don't think, before I got really, really into golf, I don't think I had enough appreciation for guys that have had extended, long career success holding on to PGA Tour cards. Is that something you really pride yourself on? Like, Going, to, you don't. There's not many guys you go to a career page and it shows 20 plus starts forever. How many <laughs> years? You know, it looks like yeah. you had one injury ish year in there. Yeah. But like that is, it's like you, Pat Perez, yeah. Charles Howell. Like yeah. it's not Charles. that many of you guys. Yeah, we. Uh, yes, I do take pride in it. Um, this is my 18th season on the PG Tour. Um, <laughs> Riviera, I think, is the only tournament that I've never missed. So uh, this year was my 18th time playing Jeez. the tournament. Uh, it's kind of cool. And I've taken pride in, um, you know, how long I've played and, and my career earnings. Um, you know, do you know what they are? Yes, I do. What it's, are they? It's about thirty-five million and change. Thirty-four point eight four zero, according to your uh, according to your career page. Okay, so I'm a little shy <laughs> maybe it's missing about. some FedEx okay. bonus money or something. <laughs> <in> there, <but. laughs> yeah, they don't count that FedEx bonus money, but uh, yeah, um, I think I'm about 
six or seven shy of 300 cuts made. I think 300 cuts made gets you an exempt, a full year exemption on the PGA Tour anytime you want to use it. Um, so that's kind of cool. I'll probably hit that this year. And yeah, I mean, consistency matters. Um, yeah, you, you winning matters. And at the end of the day, it's number of wins, uh, your career money, at the and uh, how many years you played. Um, I'd rather have a, a long career than a short short yeah. career. I want to play the Champions Tour too. So. Yeah. Um, so you turned pro at, at age 17. What was, what was the thought process there? Did you have criticism at that time period? It's not, a, it's not a route that a lot of golfers go. We've seen Akshay Batia take a very mm-hmm. similar route in recent years. I'm wondering if you could kind of set the scene for what the reasoning would be to turn pro at an age like that and how it worked out for you and what benefits you saw from it. So there's, it's more common now, but back in the day, it was just me and Ty Tryon, right? It was the only two guys that did it. Um, my thought behind it was I felt like four years of professional golf anywhere in the world was going to be better than four years of collegiate golf. Um, so it worked out good for me. On my third Q School try, I got through the PGA Tour. On the two, uh, in December 2003, I went through Q School. But for the two years I played Asian Tour and, uh, in 2002, in 2003, I played Asian Tour and European Tour. So uh, I won on the Asian Tour. I did decent on the European Tour. Um, so I was able to play overseas at, at, at a high level and get all that experience before I got to the PGA Tour. If I was to do it over again, I would go to college for one semester. Hmm. And, the, and the reason behind that is, Mark O'Mara told me this. He's actually my neighbor now. But uh, he told me this when I was 17. He goes, Kevin, I heard you're, you're going to turn pro. He goes, I said, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm going to go to college. I'm going to turn pro. He goes, you know, I recommend you try and college for, for a little bit. The PGA Tour is always going to be here. But college is something you experience at that age once in your life. And at the time, you know, I was like, well, you know, I want to, I feel like I'm good enough. I want to come out here, play well and, and compete against these guys. But looking back, it is so true. I have, when I watch March Madness, I got no team to root for. Hmm. I got no college alumni. Um, there's, it's, it's a kind of a, a part of my life that is, is missing. And I can never relate to guys as saying, well, you know, this was what college was like. But if you go one semester, even, even not even half a semester, you know what it's like. You know what the orientation is like. You know what it's like to maybe stay in a dorm. and Learn what, some life lessons. Yes. Yeah. Once, and yeah. there's a lot to learn outside of golf that will help you mature in the golf game, in the golf world. So uh, if I was to do it over again, if, if you really want to turn pro, my advice to these youngsters, try college for a few months and then, and then go pro. Because I think a lot of some people look at somebody like Akshay, or you know, I feel like the Ty Tryon case gets cited a lot more than your very successful case. <laughs> but like they look at it, and, and if they don't have success immediately, it's yeah. almost looked like, well, he should be, you know, oh, he should have gone to college. Out. No, should, it's it's I, I, I to your point, I've heard you say this in other interviews too, saying I feel like I'd be better off at age whatever 21, 22, mm-hmm. that you would have been graduating with those four years of pro golf under your belt, and that's kind of the whole. The whole point, it's hard, it's hard to argue against that at this point. It's yes. probably, this route is probably not for everyone. And I appreciate the no. insight of, you know, maybe you would do it differently. But I also mm-hmm. think like, it, it's okay to, to, you know, think about getting on the road and you learn some things that, you know, in professional golf that you wouldn't have learned in college golf in those yes. early years too. I mean, you go from a junior golf to professional golf, that's a, that's a big step. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that you need to learn. Also in college, you have coaches, you have trainers, you have that kind of like a, a team around you for mm-hmm. the team um, that a professional, a successful PG tour player would have. But when you just turn pro, you don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, I feel like has been mentioned along with your name for it, very much in the past. And I'm wondering if there's been specific things you've had to, to, you know, to mitigate this is your pace of play was once mm-hmm. a hot topic of conversation. Yes. And I honestly don't feel like I've heard it, it's, but it's the kind of moniker that can stick with you maybe longer than it maybe should. I'm wondering how you address that. How, what, I think what? I've gone past that, which is great. Um, I think, you know, when I had the yips, obviously people talked about that a lot. And, you know, I'll be honest, too. Before the yips, I wasn't the fastest player, and I've become um, a faster, not fast, but I'm, you know, at least average on tour. From T to green, I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little faster than average. On the green, I'm, I think I'm a little slower than average, so it puts me about at average. Um, I joked to Bryson. I, said, I looked at him. I said, uh, tapped him on the shoulder in the practice, one of the practice, and I said, you're it. <laughs> Which somebody has done to you before as well. Yes, yes. Ben Crane. Yes, I heard one. that story. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that story. I think we, so, we got the punchline. Yes, but. it was like 2012, like end of the turn of the playoff, one of the practice, and I, I was playing a practice on Ben Crane, and um, 
you know, he knows what it's what I've been through, and he kind of puts my arm, his arm around my shoulder, walking off one fair. And I was like, what's, what's, and he kind of looks at me, he goes, Kevin, you know, I, you know, you know, you're taking a lot of heat for for slow play, you know, I, I feel you, but I gotta say, you're it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've said, I've, I've taken the same message and said that to Bryson. Well, I think that deserve, you know, I deserves, you know, commend, commended because it's not, there's a, there's two ways you could have gone about it, right? You could have continued on with that and kind of, li- and some guys live with being slow players and don't really ever try to change, but it uh-huh. seems like it was a conscious thing for you to say, I guess, did you look in the mirror and say like, I need to change this, this, yeah. and this, if I'm going to be around these, you know, out of respect to my fellow pros or things like that. I'm just curious what that was like to go through. You know, no, nobody wants to just play slow. Sometimes sure. everybody's wired differently. And, um, it's not that easy to all of a sudden speed up your game because, you know, we're playing for a lot out here. Your career, FedEx Cup points, trophy, money, etc. And it's not that easy. And I, I really tried. And I've been trying for years and I've gone different ways about it. And I found a way to feel comfortable playing fast. Mm-hmm. And it's actually helped my career. So it, and if you look at the last, obviously, four years, I've won each season. And as I've got faster i've played even better um maybe it's because there's less thoughts in my mind and there's less time to think about the the negatives whatever it was it it worked for me um that doesn't mean that another slow player speeds up his game is going to help him play better he might play worse right so at the same time as long as you're not affecting others around you too much you have to do what's best for you what uh what is you know your 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 uh, rebranding here as the walk it in guy here has been tremendous. What What is the one I'm wondering with the most preemptive walk in you've had that didn't end up going in your most embarrassing walk in that didn't actually end up going in? Uh, not many people saw it. Like, <laughs> my coach saw it. <laughs> I, uh, I believe I was, it, it was the first round of colonial 2019. It was the, it was my 10th hole, first hole, the par five. I just made the turn. And I had about a five-footer for a birdie. And there, there was um, not many people around the green, few, few volunteers, few spectators, and my coach. And I hit this putt, and I took a stride, reached further with my left hand, lips out about four inches away from the hole, and, my, and I just froze over the hole. <laughs> and, I, and there was nobody, I was the last one to putt on that green, and I just froze. And I looked at my caddy. I said, "Oh my oh, god, no. <laughs> what just happened?" And as I was walking off the green, I looked around the hole. I looked around the green. There was no camera. I was like, oh, "Thank God, there was no camera." <laughs> how how do you know? This might be a dumb question, but how do you know it's going in? Right? Are are you charting like, or in your visualization, are you like, if I if it hits this mark, mm-hmm. I know it's going in? Is that how you know putts halfway are going there? In? Halfway yeah. there, uh, it's it's over my mark. I know I've hit a good putt. The pace is right, and. It's just a gut feeling, and I go chase it. And I've had a few times where it does a few funny things at the end, and it lifts in. Like, yeah, I had I did one at Zozo, and it was like it was at least fifteen feet. It wasn't a short one. And halfway there, I'm literally like kind of jogging at it, and the thing kind of straightens out at the end, and it does like a, almost like a three sixty around the hole and lifts in. And I kind of chuckle as walking out, and this commentator is like, "Oh my god, if that doesn't go in, because <laughs> the cameras were there yes. for that one." All right, I just, we'll wrap it with this question. This is, used to be my favorite question. I've been forgetting to ask this, but usually stumps people at the end. When was the last time you paid for golf? Ooh. I paid. Well, I didn't pay. Well, my, somebody paid for my round of golf. It was in Korea. And I played a round of golf with somebody, a few, few, of the, few friends probably. And we go to check out. So in Korea, you you play and you know you charge everything to your group, and then at the end you go pay for whatever you ate and and your green fee, right? And they said, well, you know, it'll be x x amount of won. Korean much won, and and they look, oh, Kevin, now PGA Tour player, you guys are not charging him, right? It was like, um, is he on the Korean tour? What's his ranking? Uh, (laughs) Because up to what ranking you're you're exempt? He's like, well, he, he plays on the. PGA Tour. It's like, well, I'm sorry, then we're going to have to charge him. <laughs> I said that was last question, but can you tell me a little bit about golf in Korea? I, I've played a few places there, uh-huh. and I've, I'm amazed by it. You know, I think golf takes a long time here in the U.S. Yeah. The length of it is a full day, yes. sun up to sundown activity. 
it's in some places. Okay. It's gotten faster. I just um, mean you stop for stop yeah. for food. You, yeah. you know, well, shower. Well, it's like the Discovery property, right? Some of these uh, Discovery properties, they have like a, the comfort station every yes. six holes. It's like that in Korea. It's like every four or five holes, there's a place you, there's food. There's, you, you know, you sit down for like maybe 10 minutes and have a snack. Uh, so a lot of that's gone. So they'll have a little, you know, a little halfway house after nine, going there for fifth, about 15, no more than 20 minutes. Um, and then after the round, everybody goes into this kind of like this sauna. Yeah. So you, you, you go take a shower and you go sit in this hot tub and it just four different t- temperatures of the yeah, hot tubs. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a, there's a, there's a warm, hot, cold and there's, and guys just chill in there and they just talk about the round. Guys butt naked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, that shot I hit the Look at it. What do you think about my backswing? And it's just, it's just the culture, right? Sure. And you go in there and you sit in the hot tub for a little bit and you come out and guys will go in and have a beer and have have some food and they talk about the day yeah and uh that's just part of the culture over there have you been to whistling rock in korea i know i've been outside seoul or um i guess south cape have you been down to i've them? heard of south cape i heard it's amazing it's, you've been there i've huh? been there yeah, yeah it's there's pretty well good, good spots amazing out amazing yeah. golf in korea so all right kevin thank you very much for your time best of luck this week and i would love to do this again sometime yeah definitely enjoyed it cheers All right, next up is going to be Mark Leishman. Before we get there, for 125 years, the Pinehurst Resort has been the home of American golf. I've heard it called the St. Andrews of American golf. I'm way in on that take. Yet throughout this incredible history, there's never been a better time to visit there. The championship legacy of Donald Ross's masterpiece, Pinehurst number two, it endures as the U.S. Open's first anchor site. There's five U.S. Opens scheduled to return there over the next two decades. I didn't even know they scheduled it out that far, but... Add in the redesigned masterpiece of Piners Number no. 4 by Gil Hance, and that's just two of nine golf championship courses to experience at Pinehurst. And after testing your game there, grab a few wedges, enjoy a loop on the cradle, 789-yard short course. It's hailed as the most fun 10 acres in all of golf. Off the course, you can indulge in an array of craft beers brewed on site at the Pinehurst Brewing Company. Or relax with your buddies in one of the fully renovated Manor Inns, hospitality suites, or stylish North and South Bar. They they have so many options there. You could stay there for a week and not get bored. Pinehurst has never been better. Go to Pinehurst.com now to plan your visit. Here is Mark Leishman. So I finally did it with a a professional. Accidentally texted the pro when I was supposed to be texting his caddy asking about the pro. Get a weird text in your your inbox last night? I did get a weird text message. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was... uh... No harm done, though. You must <laughs> like me well, I, enough not to talk you on my back at well, least. Well, <laughs> I always do research, so I go to people that are around this player, like, hey, what can I ask about? And Maddie, of course, our mutual friend and your caddy, knows you better than anyone. I was just like, just give me some ideas of things to talk about. But did the thing where you transpose it and you accidentally text the, pl- the person that you're asking about, but it could have gone a lot worse than it did. But uh, I want to chat about 2020 with you. You came out blazing. You win the Farmers. You finished second at Bay Hill. The pandemic hits, your whole year gets thrown for a big loop. Kind of take me to, through uh, your, I don't know how much time it's going to take to talk about 2020, but take me through that year. Yeah, it did. It was, um, like you said, I was playing really well uh, before everything happened. Um, got off to a really good start here at the players. Um, and then obviously everything stopped. Um, I took, made the most of it, took some time off. Um, which you never will get as a pro you don't ever get like forced time off time that you know you can just do whatever you want with exactly yeah so i made the most of it um i really actually you know as far as the situation i actually really enjoyed um being at home with the kids and uh spending time with them in summer which i don't normally get to do when i am home it's normally in december or january when it's freezing um yeah, then just sort of struggled with energy, um, with just no crowds and wasn't playing great. And it just sort of continued on. You know, I started thinking about my game too much. Um, you know, when you're not playing well, you, you think about it. All the time. But when you're playing really well, you don't think about it at all. You get up there, see the shot, hit it. So I had to, that took me a few months to, to work out what I was actually doing. Was it a technical issue you were having? And, and you, you had some complications with your, with your coach as well, just with the pandemic and everything. Take exactly. Yeah, he couldn't come over from, uh, from Australia because of the... I mean, I, in the end, I, he did. I had to write a letter to the Australian government really? to be let out of Australia. And then he needed a letter from the PGA Tour to be let into America. And when he went, ended up going home um, at the end of November, he had to do a two-week hotel quarantine in Australia. Wow. Uh, missed his birthday and his anniversary, I believe, both in quarantine. So I've got Dennis to thank for the turnaround in form. Um, 
Yeah, but it was I was getting too far away from the ball um, because I was thinking about it too much. I was doing drills on the tees before I'd hit a tee shot. And those drills I was doing were actually good for my swing, but the distance from the ball, I was getting too far away. And when I get too far away from it, that's when I start spraying it, um, particularly with the driver. That's and, what I was, and you need, even at your level, you, you kind of need someone to tell you that. Is it something you just, you, you, don't, you don't feel that shift happening day by day, shot by shot by shot, but somebody can come in and see that. I'm always fascinated to kind of get, you know, defining or, or delineating the relationship between a coach and a player, right? You know you're responsible for every swing, but like you can't film yourself and, and you can't, I guess that's a question. Can you pick up on things in video yourself or do you need someone to kind of help explain things to you? So I was, you can see it after you know what you were doing Okay. for me. Um, he saw it straight away. I was very lucky that I've been with Dennis for 20 years. Um, he got over, I saw it straight away. Um, just didn't do anything with my swing, made me hit some fades, some hooks, some high shots, some low shots, and changed the way I was getting into the ball. So I was, I was working on balance because normally when I start playing poorly, my balance is not good. It's either on my toes or my heels or my left side if I'm playing in the wind a lot. He noticed I was getting in. The way I was trying to get into the ball was like when you're doing catching a really heavy medicine ball, you know, and you're bracing yourself and I wanted a good base. My balance was good, but then I was six inches too far away from the ball. Maybe not quite that far, but it was it was it was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. As soon as he changed it, um, he, it took him two days at the Zozo. Signs were good. The next tournament was Augusta. Um, which you finished? Which I finished, I think, 12th or 13th. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was away. You know, you get some confidence back and um, and you're away. You know, I had a good finish at the, at the Sony. You haven't been playing awesome these last few weeks, but I uh, feel like things are close. But, yeah, it was an interesting 2020. I think I learned a lot particularly learned why you celebrate your wins because these tough times they um you know they can pop up when you least expect them you know you got to put in a lot of work and a lot of you go through a lot to yeah. get out of them and when you hopefully do have another win you got to celebrate it so um those times just make you appreciate the good times better i think sure and everyone every golfer ever has periods of struggle periods of time where they don't play well and you look back at whatever your best score is or your best play and wonder like how did I do that is that what kind of what did you did that did like winning tournaments feel very far away during that stretch and but at the same time you're trying to draw off of these successes that you've had but wondering why it's not translating to the course yes yeah yeah I mean you feel like you're never going to hit a good shot again yeah when you're playing poorly um what's it like to play competitive at the highest level being on the road, being away from family when you're not playing well. Like, how do you, you know, do you try to convince yourself you've got it for this tournament when deep down maybe you know you don't? What's it like to go tee it up when you feel like you have one hand tied behind you? Yeah, back? it's exactly what you just said. It's, um, <laughs> you, you try and go in with a really positive attitude and then you can just see things coming, like unraveling in slow motion almost, mm -hmm. which is hard, particularly when you're on your own. Like, at least if you've got your family out, you can go home and your kids will, you know, be all over you and um and all that or even if if you can if it's normal times you know you have a bad day you can just go have a beer or two at a mm -hmm. bar you know have a steak and just watch sport on tv and um that's what i do i love watching sport on tv we couldn't even do that yeah um so it's extra lonely when you're not playing yeah during it, it was yeah. um but you know at the same time we we're still able to play and and all that so i did realize how lucky we were as golfers but at the same, you know, it was, yeah, it was, I mean, you get lonely, but um, when you're signing up or, you know, trying to get onto a tour to be a, become a professional golfer, you know, that's going to be the case. Sure. It's a, it's a, it does get lonely. Um, you have to be all right with spending time by yourself. And um, that's the, like the unsexy part of being a pro. Yeah. And you got to stay out of your own mind because you do have so much time on and off the golf course, like even on the golf course between shots, if you you know stinking it up like i was you got a lot of time to think and you know you say some bad stuff to yourself but um at the end of the day it's still just golf and 
hard work pays off and you know that well you hope that eventually if you keep putting the work in things will turn around which which it did at the masters yeah, yeah we've been uh, a lot of us have been making plays on you for top 20s top 10s and stuff for the our DraftKings picks and you've been paying off great for us lately so <laughs> well like pretty much everyone i'd say i'd say your success at tpc sawgrass at the players is mixed there's almost no one that like you go look at that page and it's all top 10s yeah. or there, it is just it goes up and down why is that? Why does it go? I understand the balance of this golf course and why it doesn't, you know, overly emphasize driving distance and all these things. But why would you say that almost every player in their history has up and down and mixed success at the Players Championship? I think it's really, really simple. I think it rewards good play, no matter how far you hit it, no matter what your strengths or weaknesses are. It rewards good stuff, and it punishes bad play. If you're driving it poorly. You, you have no chance of contending. If you're hitting your irons poorly into the greens, you're not going to be getting up and down every hole. The greens are compartmentalized, and if you're hitting it on the wrong sections, you're not always going to two-putt. So it's just, um, I think it's a really good mix of gettable holes, hard holes, but having said that, every hole can jump up and bite you. Um, four is a birdie hole, but you can easily oh, make a big number on yeah, four. Easily. Yeah, easily. Um, so I think that's the good thing about it. You have to hit draws and fades off the tee. You've got to hit draws and fades into the greens. Um, the holes go all different ways. It's judging the winds. Are you a fader or would you say you're a move it both, way, move, move it both ways guy? And with the driver, I'm definitely a fader. Irons, I'm equally happy hitting a draw or a fade. I'll try and play whatever shot is called for. Because this course, this is the, I, I don't go to every tour course, but this playing this one is the one that's like, you You got to move it both ways. Yeah. you got to... Probably fade on one, got to draw it on two, yep. maybe fade it on four. Like you got to, it truly is like everything. You, yeah, you can't just do the hit it over the trees yep. with the fade every hole. And I think for every single player, there's some uncomfortable tee shots out there. You know, 18 for me is an uncomfortable tee shot, two is an uncomfortable tee shot. How do you approach the tee shot on 18? Like, where do you, you know, are you picking out a line just towards the right and swinging like normal, or are you hitting a fade away from the water? How do you hit that tee shot? I've done everything there. <laughs> um, <laughs> So when, when it was in May, I used to just put a two-iron in the bag and hit a two-iron. Because that was the Drawing two-iron, it yeah. could run 50 yards and you'd have an eight or nine-iron into the green. Um, with how fast the fairways are this year, you could potentially do that. It could hit three-iron off there and just you know maybe have a six-iron in. Is it different than last year? Because last year everything was plugging in the fairway. Yeah, yeah. so it's um, I think the fairways are cut really short. And it, I mean, the condition of the course is as good as I've ever seen any golf course. It's unbelievable. Greens are already really quick, which I wasn't expecting yesterday. Um, normally, they, they start out slow on Monday and progress. I mean, they were probably running 12 yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but the, I mean, the condition's unbelievable. So I'll probably hit three with there. Because there's it. no shot from the right. You can't just bail right on that you shot. You can't. So yeah. you have to just hit a good shot. It doesn't matter. Like, if you obviously don't want to miss it left. But if you miss it right, you're probably not making par either. Especially with the fairways fast. Even that chip out's going to be hard to keep it on the fairway. So... Hopefully we won't be chipping out on 18, but you just got to hit a good shot. Yeah, that's that speaks to why the up and down success, I think, is like this golf course. If you're on, you can get through all these hurdles and the guy that's going to win is going to thread that fairway on 18. But if you're a little bit off, there's just nowhere to hide on a lot of these holes. Exactly. Yeah. And like I say, and you, it's not just, all right, I've got, I have to hit draws this week, like Augusta. You right. can pretty much hit a draw off every hole and be fine. Um, here, you've got to have, your swing's got to be right because you've got to hit every shot in the book. And that's what I love about it and hate about it. <laughs> <laughs> compare, compare March versus May, this tournament, the overseed, the rye, you know, the extra green look we're going to see this week versus how it played in May with a bunch of Bermuda. And I know it was kind of up and down condition-wise, firmness-wise when, when it was that week. But does, what does that do for you? you? You grew up in Australia probably playing more used to the firmer golf courses but, you know, does it, does it matter firmness-wise whether it's March or May? It plays longer in March, both because of the overseed. You know, the fairways are a little bit softer and the weather is a little cooler. The rough's still pretty thick, but it's un very unpredictable in May. You can have an 8-iron go 200 and then you can, you know, that an 8-iron go 150. I mean, you don't know how far. It's just, you know, That's the just fly out of Bermuda. Yeah. They had it at that perfect length where it was... It was just a guessing game. Yeah. Um, so I guess the crowd's a little safer in uh, in in March, just with flyers. The um, overseed is a lot easier to predict how you it's going to jump. You generally know it's going to come out pretty soft, yeah. um, and you can control it once it hits the ground, just because it's a little softer. I think what's this is the third time, 
third or fourth time we've played it in March. With last um, year's didn't end up actually being played, yeah. but yes, this is the third year. So yeah. I think this is going to play the most like May cool. out of the two and a bit we've played, just because of how tight the fairways are and how the, the weather looks like it's going to be dry. And I think they'll let a lot of the overseed die. They'll, I think it's going to be really good. I awesome. think it's going to be exciting to watch. That gets me excited because last year we had a great winter, not a lot of rain, and everything was real soft there. And this year we've had a lot of rain, and everyone's just been raving about the conditioning. So yes. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Well, on a, di- on a different note, I want to talk some President's Cup. I, I have written down here, tell me everything about it, which I think I might need to get a little more specific than that. <laughs> but you, you've experienced golf courses like this growing up in Australia. You, don't, you didn't grow up playing Royal Melbourne, but that kind of ethos of a golf course – what is it like to compete on a world stage at a place like that? A place I would say is very different than a lot of, like where you play 90% of your professional golf. But what was it like to compete on a golf course like that? Does it activate a lot of different muscles? Yeah, it does. Because you, if you haven't been to Royal Melbourne, if you're missing the fairways, it's tea tree. So it's basically like palmetto bush. I mean, you're going to... You're, you're not having any fun in you, there. Yeah, you're not getting out of there yeah. generally. But the fairways are wide. The fairways are wide. The greens are big. But you have to know where the slopes are on the greens. It's a lot like Augusta, so you have to. to you can get at every pin, if you, if you're on the right side of the fairway. So you have to look at your pin sheet when you're on the tee, work out what side of the fairway you want to come in from, and then you've got to hit a certain shape, landing in the right area on a hill that will then have the right spin on it to get to an area. It's really it's really cool. It, I think it rewards if you're on your game, really good play. You'll see some really low scores at Royal Melbourne, but then you see some some high scores as well because if you're off and you're putting it on the wrong sections of the green, sometimes you can't hit the green with your next putt. You just made the hair on my arm stand up. Talking about the right side of the fairway, yeah. spin and everything. That first hole was, and I've talked about this on almost every podcast, but that first hole was awesome to watch because when that pin moved, guys went from hitting drivers to laying back to 160 and trying to hit... Yeah gap wedges to the front of the green because they knew it was going to run out and all of this process and i think people you know take a shorter golf course that's wide and think it's automatically going to be easy just because it's so opposite of what we see usually but i thought your your perspective on that would be interesting just considering you've i feel like you've seen like a lot more great golf courses than a lot of people have and gotten to compete on them as a junior that what i guess was it jarring to come over here and play just a totally different style of play is it yeah it's very different yeah i think any golf course is a lot more difficult when it's firm, when the greens are firm in particular, when there's an emphasis on hitting the fairway. Yeah, it was a big difference. I mean, you don't have any wet rough in, in Australia. It's normally, you know, if you miss the fairway, you're on a sandy sort of lie and they don't prune the trees. So you, you don't have alleys through the trees to, to do that stuff. Normally it's a chip out. Um, for me, the hardest thing coming over here was, um, was around the greens. I mean, it's a lot of... Sh- mown grass a lot of fairway grass around the greens on a lot of australian courses and i really struggled and i still think it's the it's the hardest shot for me now even after being over here for 13 or 14 years is that explosion shot out of four inch rough where i don't know if it's going to go 10 feet or 40 feet in the air like it's it's just guessing yeah exactly Uh, so that was the that was the hardest thing for me i mean playing in australia and and the UK compared to playing in America, the wind is a lot heavier in Australia and um, and the UK compared to over here. It's a great word, heavier. I, yeah. I couldn't define like it feels maybe the same as a wind that's inland, but it plays so much yeah. stronger. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if that's humidity or what that yeah. is, but I know what you mean. Even coming from like Torrey Pines and Riviera, and then going to the concession a couple of weeks ago, the wind in Florida is very different to the wind in California. Okay. It's it's a heavier wind over there too by the ocean. I don't know what it is, but hmm. It just See, I think it's the heavy here. I think in Jacksonville it's heavy. Maybe I'm. You've seen a lot more places. It was heavy I, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, drive a six iron into one. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was. It's um, yeah. When it's cold, I feel like it's a it's a. Temperature. Obviously, that's another thing as a golfer you got to take into account. Is all right. How heavy is the wind? How far is the ball going? What's the? Is it cold? Is it hot? You know, how much is this going to affect it? Um, and I think the, when it's cold in Florida, I mean, the temperature might say it's 60, but it feels like it's 40. I actually played nine holes with my son out of I'm so glad you said that. People think we're so, we're so at, weak when it gets yeah, cold here, but it really does. Out at Ponte Vedra Club yesterday with my son, and the temperature was, I think it was 55 at like 6 o'clock last night, and we were absolutely freezing. It's, like a, it's almost like there's humidity in the wind or something, and it's it just goes straight cold. through. It's, it's really weird. It's hard to describe. 
Because, yeah, it's, um, we get people to visit here, then don't bring long sleeves and pants. And yeah, well, like, you, you like me, yeah. I was in shorts and t shirt and it was 50. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, live and learn, I suppose. It's a different climate. Tell me about yeah. concession. What did you think of concession? That's a, a first time for a lot of people seeing that golf course. What did you think of it for a, a PJ Tour event and a WGC? I loved it. Yeah, I thought awesome. it was good. There was, um, I really enjoyed the green complexes. I think there was a couple that were probably a little severe, areas of a couple of greens that were a little severe, but. For the most part, I mean, there was a way to play every hole. I think as a myself, I think if you went there with the intention of shooting even par, you could do it quite easily. Um, but when you're trying to win a golf tournament and you're trying to make birdies and finish 15 under for the week, that brings in all the other numbers. Um, which I think is great. Which I think is awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, I had doubles, I had, I had a triple, I had a heap of birdies, I think I had an eagle, it was... I really, really enjoyed it. You had a lot of options around the greens, which I liked. You, you couldn't just, you didn't miss a green and grab your lob wedge. It was like, all right, this could be a five iron, it could be a nine iron, it could be a lob wedge, it could be a putter. Is it fair to say, you know, you you emphasizing that at concession? Is it fair to say that on most PGA Tour golf courses, it's not the same in terms of like, if I'm going out to get birdies, that means I might go be going backwards. Some, you know what I mean? Can you pin your ears back a lot, be, a lot more at other golf courses? On certain courses, yeah. definitely. Sony Open, yep. yes. Torrey Pines, you're trying to make pars. Yeah. So, you, you know, but yeah, I'd say most places there's, obviously you can make big numbers anywhere, but it was more so there. You could, I mean, you could have a triple with not doing that much wrong. Yes. There, there was times when you'd hit a bad tee shot and it's like, all right, we've got to try and make bogey. Especially when you make a triple on the first in the first round. You know, you're thinking, all right, don't do that again. Um, I was sort of cruising and I think I doubled 15 tripled 16 it's like there's there's your round so everyone had that almost everyone had other. and i I really liked that about it because you had to weigh up all right is it worth the risk the risk reward Mm -hmm. on pretty much every shot there Mm -hmm. you could like the first hole you know you could hit driver and get a sandwich in but if you miss that in the palmetto bush you're making six Mm -hmm. at best probably so um yeah i know i really really enjoyed it and i hope we go back there you said you're trying to make pars at tory pines you also shot 65 in the final round of that to, to win last year, which, you know, I've, with everything that happened last year, I think people kind of forget that. But what was the total fairway number hit on that on that day? Was it three? Yeah, I think it was three. Yeah, you missed, missed it in the right spot, though. <laughs> I mean, when the fairways are that narrow, though, are you, uh, like, uh, you, you kind of are joking about that, but you are really trying to miss it on certain spots in the rough that you know you can still hold greens from? Yeah, so I think I almost lead the tour in not hitting it left. Um, Interesting. And you I'm, track that stat? And I'm almost last in not hitting it right. So I, <laughs> I can miss it right with the best of them, but I don't generally miss it left. Um, on that golf course, you can miss it right all day and pretty much be okay. Tiger's had a lot of success doing yeah. that as well. So it's, I guess it's, it's a matter of knowing where to miss it. And obviously then you've got to know where to miss it on the green or if you can get it on the green. Yeah, I just love that place. It's um, just the, again, the greens, if your irons are on, you can really really take advantage of a few of those pins especially the sunday pins they put them in low spots yeah. and if you're in a good spot off the tee you can get them they can feed into the pins but um yeah it's just like any course you got to know um where you can go where you can't go wh- what holes you can attack and um and if you do get out of position you got to um take your medicine and bogeys are, are okay around there you know as long as you don't do the big numbers Easier is not the right word that I'm going for here, but I'm going to say it anyways. Has it gotten has has winning gotten any easier as you get older in terms of when you get find yourself in contention, your ability to channel pressure and mindset in terms of going for wins has that changed at all, evolved at all over the course of your career? Now that you have won five times on the PGA Tour, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I enjoy pressure. I, that's what we do all the practice for. You know, we want to get into that situation and test yourself. I think that brings the best out in me um, when when I'm uncomfortable over a shot. Um, talking about the President's Cup, like the only shot I've ever hit where I couldn't feel my arms was in the President's Cup. That, really? That last, uh, we, we came back from against Justin Thomas and, and Ricky, me and Abe, and um, we had to win the last to tie it. And I, that, that not, I was between wedge and nine iron. I hate hitting a soft shot. I don't I, even know the number. I'll tell you. It's wedge. Yeah. Well, no, I hit nine iron. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. So, because I, I was just like, wedge is not going to get there and couldn't feel my hands. Um, but that's what I love. It's like, all right, 
I just hope that this is. I hope I don't chunk it or just just get ball first. I'm so glad to hear this. Yeah, everyone gets nervous over shots. It has that like, yeah. that true nervous feeling. Yeah, but, but I takes, love that. Yeah, yeah, it takes team competition probably then, to get to that level. And then when yeah, and then when you're at the at the point I guess in your career that I am, you know, you've had a few wins and you play to win. You know, I'm not obviously you know you don't want to go silly and do anything reckless, but if I got an opportunity to to win, I want to not have regrets after it even if i don't win i want to make sure that you know i'll do everything i can hit the right shots and and that's something that win. has evolved some of the course i imagine when you're a yeah. rookie you can't you're not well when you're, you're not capable of thinking that aggressively you know what i mean that, well and you're also thinking about the money <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like you're thinking just if i if i go at this and i don't pull it off and make double it's going to cost me whatever it's going to cost me and that at the end of the year could cost me my card sure uh, so you're trying to you know number one is you got to keep your card I've got. I think I've got another three years on my exemption. I've, I don't have to worry about that. I'm trying to win tournaments, and I think it's easier to um, to try and win golf tournaments when you've got that bit of job security that's pretty rare in professional golf. There you go. Well, maybe we'll get the podcast bump this week for the players. So, <laughs> looking forward to watching. Leash, thanks for joining us, and uh, best of luck this week. Yeah, thanks, mate. You bet. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything.